Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 19. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. In a moment of sanity, Saul heeded the voice of his son. And he says, as the Lord lives, he shall not be killed. Saul has changed as a change of mind, but not a change of heart. This is a case of remorse and not repentance. Saul's word is as good as water holding in a rusty bucket. James chapter four, verse eight tells us, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. James chapter 1, keep that verse there for a second, write this down. James chapter 1, verse 8 tells us, he that is a double-minded man is unstable, anybody know? In all his ways. The Greek order of that verse says, the man double-minded is unstable in ways that are his. The man double-minded is unstable in ways that are his. Now, if you look up double-minded in the dictionary, you will see a picture of good old U.S. of A. We are a double-minded culture. We are a double-standard culture. We are living in a weird culture. Double-minded. I think of the story of these two men who lived in a small village and they got into a terrible dispute and they couldn't resolve it. So they decided to talk to the town judge. Well, the first man went to the judge's home and he told his version of what happened. And when he finished, the judge said, you're absolutely right. Well, the next night, the second man called on the judge and he told his side of the story and the judge responded, you're absolutely right. Well, later the judge's wife said to her, to her husband, she said, honey, She said, those men told you two different stories and you told them they were absolutely right. That's impossible. You told them both. They're absolutely right. That's impossible. They can't both be absolutely right. And he said to his wife, you're absolutely right. (laughs) We live in a double-minded culture where everyone is absolutely right. Huh? And and, and we live in a culture where people are calling wrong, right, and right, wrong. Are y'all getting that? People are calling wrong, right, and right, wrong, and the only opinion you're allowed to have is the popular opinion. James says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Saul was double-minded. One minute he's swearing David will live. The next minute he's throwing javelins at David. God would say to Saul and say to us, the heart of the matter is a matter of the heart, so purify your heart, Saul. Purify your heart, saints. The problem is the flesh. You're envious, you're jealous, you're rebellious, you're stubborn. Purify your hearts. Let's move on. Look at verse 8. Look at verse 8. Not to cover tonight. Look at verse 8. Now, there was a war, underline this, and there was a war again. 
And David went out and he fought with the Philistines and struck them with a mighty blow and they fled from him. Now the distressing spirit from the Lord hmm, came upon Saul as he sat in his house with his spear in his hand and David was playing music with his hand. And then Saul sought to pin David to the wall with the spear, but he slipped away from Saul's presence and he drove the spear into the wall. So David fled and escaped that night. Saul also sent messengers to David's house to watch him and to kill him in the morning. And Michael, David's wife, told him saying, honey, if you do not save your life tonight, tomorrow, my dad's going to kill you. So Michael led David down through a window and he went and he fled and he escaped. And Michael took an image and laid it in the bed and put a cover of goat's hair for his head and covered it with clothes. So when Saul met, sent messengers to take David, she said, he's sick. Then Saul sent the messengers back to see David saying, bring him up to me in the bed that I might kill him. And when the messengers had come in, there was the image in the bed with the cover of goat's hair for his head. And then Saul said to Michael, why have you deceived me like this and sent my enemy away so that he has escaped? And Michael answered and said, Saul or dad, he said to me, let me go. Why should I kill you? Now stop right there. I want you to notice something. Look at verse seven and look at the beginning of verse eight. And I want you to look at it in a spiritual context. Look at verse 7. Verse 7 tells us, Jonathan, then Jonathan called David and Jonathan told him all these things. So Jonathan then brought David to Saul and he was in the presence as in time past. So David, uh, Saul, and, and, and kind of makes a truce, if you will, and says, I won't kill, verse 6 and 7, I won't kill David. There's a truce. And then look at verse eight. Verse eight says, and there was war again, spiritually. Whenever you feel like there's kind of a truce or like a ceasefire, if you will, you know, the battle will begin again. Christians, where you at? How many times have you like felt like things are going great? Man, things are going so great. And you're just wondering when the shoe's going to drop because things don't go that great that often. But when things are going great, you're like, oh, man, this is awesome. Things are going great. Spiritually, things are going great. But you think what's around the corner, what's going to happen next? It's almost like whenever there's a truce, you're wondering when the war is going to begin again. Somebody once said peace is that brief glorious moment in history when everyone stops to reload. <laughs> Same is true spiritually, isn't it? I don't know about you, but my life feels like that sometimes. When things are quiet and like a ceasefire. I think the enemy is reloading. There's a truce and there's a war again. Look at verse nine. It tells us that Saul sitting in the house with a spear in his hand and a distressing spirit came upon him. David is probably thinking, I've seen that spear before. And the devil's on Saul as well. Houston, we got a problem. Saul is playing his guitar with one hand, and I'm sure he's watching, or David's playing his guitar with one hand, and I'm sure he's watching Saul at the same time. Look at verse 10. Here comes a javelin. David probably said, I knew it was too good to be true. 
And it's right here, saints, listen, that David wrote Psalm 59. Right here, David wrote Psalm. Matter of fact, hold your finger here and turn with me. Let's look at Psalm 59. Right here, David wrote Psalm 59. You can hear David's heart in the Psalms. And if you'll notice, at the beginning of uh, the Psalm, it says, uh, when Saul sent men and they watched the house in order to kill David. Yes? Remember verse 11 tells us that Saul had some men watch him and kill him in the morning so they can kill him in the morning. This psalm was written around this time with David thinking about that situation. He says, deliver me from my enemies, O my God, and defend me from those who rise up against me. Deliver me from the workers of iniquity and save me from bloodthirsty men. For look, they lie in wait for my life. The mighty gather against me, not for my transgressions, not because I did anything wrong, nor for my sin, O Lord. They run and they prepare themselves through no fault of mine. Awake and help me, and behold, you therefore, O God, God of hosts, the God of Israel, awake to punish all the nations. Do not be merciful to any wicked transgressors. I love David. David said, don't be merciful, Lord. Another psalm, he says, Lord, knock out their teeth. That's in the Bible. Another one says, Lord, slap them. I love Dave. Dave is real. That's how you feel about your enemies sometimes. Oh, no, you don't. You're... <laughs> David said, don't be merciful to any of the wicked transgressors. Peace. Selah. In. At evening, they return. They growl like dogs, and they go all around the city. Indeed, they belch with their mouth. Swords are in their lips, for they say, who's here? But you, O Lord, shall laugh at them. You shall have all the nations in derision. I will wait for you, O you, his strength. I will wait for you, O you, his strength, for God is my defense. My God of mercy shall come to meet me. God shall let me see my desire on my enemies. Do not slay them, lest my people forget. Scatter them by your power and bring them down, O Lord, our shield. For the sin of their mouth and the words of their lips, let them even be taken in their pride and for the cursing and lying which they speak. Consume them in wrath, consume them that they may not be. And let them know that God rules in Jacob to the end of the earth. Somebody say amen. And at evening they return, they growl like dogs, and they go all around the city, and they wander up and down for food, and howl if they're not satisfied. But I will sing your power. Even in all this turmoil, David finds worship. Talk about that in a minute. I'll sing of your power. Yes, I'll sing aloud of your mercy in the morning. You have been my defense and refuge in the day of my trouble. To you, O my strength, I will sing praises, for God is my defense, my God of mercy. David wrote this psalm. At this time, many scholars believe that he wrote Psalm 59 in the cave of Adullam. Adullam. And as you read Psalm 59, you sense David never forgot that particular night, this particular night that Saul tries to kill him. But notice in verse 9, I want to point something out to you. It says, a distressing spirit from who, saints? The Lord. Turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 16. Look at chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16. We've seen this before. 1 Samuel 16, 14. 
But the spirit of the Lord, you at verse 14? But the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a what? Distressing spirit from the Lord troubled him. A distressing spirit, you got your pen? A distressing spirit means God removed his protective spiritual covering. Remember in the Old Testament, the spirit of God came upon people. The spirit of God did not, look at me please, the spirit of God did not fill people. As we're talking about the Holy Spirit on Sunday mornings and we are filled as believers and we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise and as a guarantee that God is someday going to come back and get us and that's why the spirit is living within us. Well, in the Old Testament, the spirit didn't live in anyone. The spirit came upon them. The spirit came upon David to defeat the lion, to to, to defeat the bear, to defeat Goliath. I'm confident that was God guiding that stone. The Spirit of God came upon Gideon. The Spirit of God came upon Elijah as he slew the 450 prophets of Baal. The Spirit of God came upon them in the Old Testament to empower them to do a certain thing for God, and then the Spirit would leave that person. In the New Testament, the Spirit of God fills us or indwells us. So in Saul's case, the Lord removed the Holy Spirit and allowed Satan, an evil spirit, to torment him. In other words, God gave Satan access to Saul. Listen, it wouldn't be the first time God gave Satan access to somebody. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Job, you know. God said, you remember the story. God said, hey, Satan, where you been? He said, going to and fro throughout the earth. God said, have you seen my servant Job? Pretty righteous dude. Satan said, if you remove your head from around, hedge from around him, He'll curse you to your face. And God gave Satan access to Job. You know the story. He goes before the Lord. God gave Satan access to heaven. At that point, Satan could come in and out of the presence of God. I can't explain that. That's what the Bible says. He would come in and out of the presence of God. So God gave him access to heaven. And he would go in the presence of God and accuse the brethren and accuse uh, the believers. God had given Satan access to Saul. A distressing spirit came upon him. Notice in verse 11, David's wife, look at verse 11. David's wife, Michael, told David, if you don't get out of here, my dad's going to kill you tomorrow for sure. And that's interesting because it implies that Michael saw the hitman before David. I get the impression, kind of in my sanctified imagination, I get the impression that Michael's kind of standing at the window and, you know, the hitmen, the guys are out in the car, and, and she, she looks out the window. She goes, David, there's some guys, there's some guys out there. Man, you, David, sweetie, you better get out of here. You better leave tonight because they're going to come in here and get you. She's looking out for him. And see, Michael, I think, knows her father better than David knows her father. So it's Michael who saw her, saw them, and told David, you got to get out of here or you're dead meat. David probably is thinking, I should not have married into this dysfunctional family. Look at verse 12, because it is very dysfunctional. Look at verse 12. Michael let David down out the window to escape. Now, this is your wife taking, you know, supporting your husband to a new level. 
Amen, ladies. She let him down out the window and put yourself in. This is real stuff, y'all. Put yourself in David's sandals. I mean, you know, I, I was, I'm thinking, I'm thinking this would be crazy. Think about, you know, you know, Miss Elvira letting me out the window to get away from Rodney Jr. or something. I mean, it's kind of, this is real stuff, man. David is on the run. He's on the run. Verse 13 tells us Michael took an image. Look at this, y'all. Michael took an image or what's called a teraphim. Learn something. A teraphim. T-E-R-A-P-H-I-M. A teraphim. The I am in the Hebrew language speaks of plurality. El, God, Elohim, God, the triunity of God, all Elohim. The I am speaks of plurality. Teraphim speaks of plurality of um, pagan idols. Pagan idols that they would oftentimes keep in their homes as a good luck charm of some sorts. Now, this particular pagan idol must have been a pretty large one for them to put it in the... Read your Bible. I'm not making this up. Must have been a pretty large one for them to put it in the bed and then take some goat's hair and put it on top, pull the sheets up over right up to the head part. The men come in, where's David? Where's David? And she go, and they see the thing in the bed, and they see the goat's hair, which tells me what kind of hair did David have? <laughs> I, I'm like, <laughs> I'm stuck on this for hours. I mean, I'm like, what kind of hair? <laughs> you can actually fool someone? I mean, like, you have goat's hair? That's like fascinating to me. It took me a long time to keep going. So, <laughs> so this is so they put the goats here and they put the covers up. They come in. Where's David? And she goes, "Uh, yeah, well, he's right there, but you know, he's sick. Leave him alone. He's sick. He's in the bed." And when the messengers come to the room, they see that he's sick. They go back and they give the message to Saul, and they tell him. And Saul says, "Listen, bring him to me, even in the bed." Saul wants David dead. Now, a teraphim, listen, was a household item, as I said, like a good luck charm. Many homes, listen to me, many homes in Israel had them, and they believed it helped them in worshiping God. We know Rachel, she had small ones in Genesis chapter 31. We don't know why David would allow his wife to have idols in the house. Solomon allowed his wives to build temples and altars to their gods all over Jerusalem. Maybe David allowed it because it was the king's daughter. Maybe they've argued over this so much that David's just tired of arguing about it. We don't know. Remember, saw it happens. Remember, I ain't going to ask the fellows to say amen because y'all wouldn't do it anyway. Say amen, fellow. Amen. See? Because their wife's in there, you better not say something. Maybe they just started arguing over it. Remember Saul said, remember this in chapter 18 and verse 21? Saul said, if the Philistines don't kill David, my daughter will. Remember that? So Micah wasn't the easiest woman to live with, obviously. If, if Micah ain't happy, nobody's happy. 
We don't know why she had the teraphim in the house. But what we do know, listen, we do know the commandment in Exodus chapter 20, verse 3, that says you shall have no gods before me. You know the story. Israel had been led out of Egypt, and it's been three months, and they're still dressed in their slave clothes in rags. And I can hear God saying, look at all that I've done, and now be done with all the gods of Egypt. You know that Egypt had a plethora of gods. They had a god for every animal. They had a plethora of gods. So when they came out of Egypt, and the people of God, unfortunately, so goes the culture So goes the church or the believers, the people of God, while in Egypt, got caught up in idol worship. Huh? Got caught up in idol worship. So when they come out of Egypt, the first commandment, y'all getting this? God wants to make it clear. First things first. Have no other gods before me. Now, when God says you shall have no other gods before me, that doesn't mean you can have all the gods you want after him. Okay, I need you to say, I knew that, Pastor. Thank you. Doesn't mean you can have all the gods you want after him. Before doesn't mean in the sense of precedence. Before means in the sense of presence. Not precedence, like one, two, three, four, but presence. Don't have any gods in my presence. Don't have any gods in my face. You shall have no other gods before me. Look at verse 15. Saul said, if you guys are afraid to touch him because he has goat's hair, then bring him here and I'll kill him in the bed. Verse 16, they come in again and they notice it was an idol in the bed. Verse 17, Saul said to Michael, why have you deceived me? And Michael, do you get this? Michael, she was quick. She was quick on her feet. She said, Dad, he's been been abusive. He said that if I didn't lie for him, he was going to kill me. She's quick. She's quick. And note this here. God is stripping away. I want you to know something that's kind of behind the words that God is doing in the life of David. Listen, God is stripping away everything David could lean on. Because remember, David was anointed as king, but in order for you to fulfill the call of God on your life, I'm trying to help you. In order for you to fulfill the call of God on your life, you got to go through something. God's got to take you through a process to get you to where he wants you to be and where you want to be. So you say, I want to be a godly woman. Well, be careful what you ask for. You want to be a man of God. You want to preach the word. Be careful what you ask for. Because when you want to do something for God, Don't you know Satan is right there to stop you? So David has been anointed king, but he's got to go through a process in order for him to be able to walk in those shoes as a king. Are y'all following me? I'm trying to help you. So God is stripping away from David all earthly support. 
God is knocking every single human crutch away. Think about it. In a matter of days, David lost his position, his home, his wife, his mentor, his reputation, his confidence. And the reason is because God was in the process of making a king. When God wants to do a work, first thing he does is strip everything away that you can lean on other than him. Strips everything away. And now I talk to you from experience. God will strip everything away. When God has called you to something, he strips everything away. Everything. You've got nothing. In my case, no home, no money, no job, nothing. God stripped everything from us. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.